This is Business Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wei Chun Wang. I'm an entrepreneur who's passionate about all things business. As a trained economist with consulting background, currently working to educate business professionals in a college setting, I constantly gather information, advise my clients, teach students, and train people with the best practices. In this podcast, I will provide intelligence in business management, economic and data analysis, digital marketing, and international business strategy. Let me help you navigate the complexity in this challenging and dynamic business world. This is Business Intelligence Podcast. And I am Dr. Wei Chun Wang. Hi, welcome back to the Business Intelligence Podcast. I am Dr. Wei Chun Wang. I'm here today with my co-host, Mr. Joey Degangji. Hey, everyone! Happy to be here today. We have a really cool topic. So back when Wei Chung and I first decided that we wanted to、uh, dive into this into this whole podcasting world, one of the questions we had among ourselves was, you know, how do we, how can we gauge whether or not the stuff we're talking about is is helping other, you know, business owners, other professionals? How is it being received? And so this sparked a whole, you know, internal debate about which metric should we be looking at? How can we measure, you know, whether or not、uh, we're we're actually creating helpful content? And that's really kind of what led to the the topic we're going to be discussing today. It's going to be all about measuring your operational efficiency and figuring out、um, you know what data to look at and how to analyze which data is most important to your business's growth. So the first question, naturally, that you want to ask, or any business owner will want to ask, is how do you exactly measure the effectiveness in your business operation? In thinking about operational efficiency, you cannot forget that、uh, you know your accounting book has actually three big parts, right? So you have the sales revenue on top, you have cost of goods sold, and you have then operating expenses. We and most business owners、uh, spend most of the time and focus on the sales revenue,、uh, but when sales revenue are being driven by market forces, businesses have generally no choice but to take a look at the operating expenses. And try to cut and enhance efficiency.、Uh, however, most people don't realize this.、Um, you know, when times are good,、uh, when your sales revenue are high, oftentimes you would have a lot of operational inefficiency hidden behind the scene, and they they get overlooked.、Um, so that is another missed opportunity to increase the bottom line. And I argue that we shouldn't be thinking about effectiveness. In business operation, only during the bad times. As a matter of fact, business owners and leaders should have a very clear mindset of pursuing business efficiency at all times, because that's what we should、um, care about. That's that's what creates a successful business.、Um, so- uh, you can you can think about that almost like a、uh, you know preparing like a rainy day fund in your personal finance. If you optimize your efficiency during good times. You'll have cash reserves left over for bad times, and as we've all seen over the past couple months, that can come, you know, in an instance. So it keeps you very flexible and lets your business be prepared to pivot. So really, you know, the the bottom line is that operational efficiency should include identifying the most effective ways to deliver your products and services. 
I here have a very uh, recent and interesting example uh, with, with the movie Mulan. Um, you know, Mulan was the, uh, uh, created and produced by Disney. And the Mulan, the movie, was set to release in March 2020. And due to the pandemic, they had to miss the release day because all the theaters were closed down. And I can understand why they set March as the potential release day back then, because they wanted to really make sure that they capitalized not only the ticket box sales in theaters, but, you know, after maybe two months uh, post-release, they could then um, have another momentum in generating more DVD sales or streaming revenue uh, in the summertime, because Mulan um, is supposed to be popular among uh, families and, and children. Unfortunately, the pandemic... Uh, forced them to think of an alternative. The production cost, if you look at it, the production cost of Mulan uh, is roughly $200 million. Um, the, the, the problem, however, is that when you spend $200 million, you are not only looking at the $200 million. The, you know, the earlier that you can release the movie, the higher probability uh, of you to recoup the expenses uh, and also safe on the cost of capitals and uh, perhaps on the interest payments. So they really need to um, uh, find a way to push that movie to the marketplace. Very luckily, Disney last year um, had a new streaming platform released to the marketplace. That is Disney Plus. When they were about to release Disney Plus, everybody was worried about Disney not being able to cater to, to the needs to the marketplace because, as we know, streaming industry has already had very fierce competition in the marketplace, and it's very, very crowded. Not only we have Netflix, but we also have Hulu and, and other streaming services available, as we mentioned in the first episode. Um, and, and I think Disney was um, backed by a very, very good contents that they had, at the very least, you know, they, they have contents that people want to view. Um, so they just went ahead and, and, and do it last year. And they price it um, in a, you know, I think at the right level. Um, if I remember it correctly, they're charging $6.99 per month for their services. And if you pay for the whole year at once, it's going to be $69.99. That is significantly cheaper than if you were to sign up for Netflix. And that's paired so, with other services as well, like Hulu, uh, ESPN. I think there's one or two more when, when you subscribed early on. So you get a few different streaming services in that competitive space in addition to all the Disney content that people know and love. Right, right, right. So very fortunately that they did that. And now they have a platform that they can think about the alternative way to publish, to publish and release the movie. And that's exactly what they were doing. So very recently in August 2020, they an, an announced they were planned to release Mulan um, you know, exclusively on their Disney Plus platform. Uh, but surprisingly, they are actually calculating a premium for the existing subscribers to pay before they could watch the movie Mulan. And I think in the news release, they were uh, quoting $30 on top of the $6.99 that you are paying for your monthly fee if you were to watch Mulan coming in September 2020. A lot of people think that, oh, that's rich. It's a greedy approach. I don't think that Disney would be able to, to even break even or make money out of the attempt. But you have to consider um, from Disney's perspective, right? Disney 
their hands are tied. They, they really want to make some money back. Um, and the $200 million production cost, that's not a small amount. What I wanted to offer is a different perspective of looking at numbers and conversion, right? So Disney Plus, as of August 2020, has 60.5 million subscribers. If you come to think about it, if 11% of the subscribers end up paying the $30 premium to watch the movie, to stream the movie, they will break even with the production cost. They need to recoup the expenses as quickly as possible. Otherwise, the cost of capital of $200 million is going to eat them up. Now, from the consumer side of things, $30 is st still a lot cheaper than if you were to buy a package of four tickets going into the theater plus drinks and snacks. So from the family perspective, you probably would be willing to pay that $30. And we're not looking at, you know, the entire population of 60.5 million subscribers to do that. We're looking at 11%. So that 11% is what we should pay attention to. Is 11% conversion rate a reasonable assumption? And I got to say that it's a relatively high assumption if what you're providing is common. But here's the, the trick that Disney is trying to pull. The user stickiness of Disney is arguably unusually high. Think about it. You sign up for Disney specific contents with an additional cost when you potentially have alternatives with Netflix and the likes. Chances are you would probably want to pay more for additional uh, and premium services like the movie Mulan. Yeah, Disney's definitely built itself a brand that makes it more than just a commodity. It's not the commodity of entertainment that you can get anywhere else on different streaming services. They really separate themselves from the pack. And that's going to be a big part in, in determining what a reasonable uh, conversion rate will be. If you have some, if you have goods or services that can be replicated by other companies, then you're more of a commodity. If you have a strong brand that you know sets you apart, that's that's where you're going to be able to set your goal higher so either way disney is trying to do everything they can to pivot how do you make sense of your business strategy when you face an uncertain business environment like the post-covid world you need to pivot but how exactly do you have do you have to do uh to respond you know it's not about just increasing sales you need to really focus on getting the best bang for your buck in looking at the operational operation uh, uh, operating expenses side of things, um, so I, I I have a, a you know a pretty good example. You know we, we we are now working with a client that's in the niche market, arguably linked to uh, legal, finance, and insurance industries. Without the intense in-person connection opportunities possible in the post-COVID world, uh, their business need to rely on just like any other business. They need to rely on mostly online exposure or digital marketing, right? And, and, and Joey, I think we're no strangers to Google ads or Facebook ads because most of our clients, they, that's where they're spending money on. Yeah, we've run a number of different campaigns. And one of the things you notice is across different industries, the cost per conversion is going to vary you know, pretty significantly. With the client that we're talking about right now in the legal and finance world, the cost per, per click is going to be significantly higher than other industries. So with that, you have to make sure that you come up with a strategy that's going to you know, improve operational efficiency so you don't run yourself dry 
trying to compete in a very crowded space. Google and Facebook are advertising platforms. They make their right. money. That's their bread and butter. They make their money charging businesses for putting advertisements on their platforms. So in talking about Google ads, usually we focus on two things to, to begin with, right? So you have the CPA, which is also known as cost per action. Uh, you also have CPC, cost per click. You know, I think cost per click is very um, easy to understand. Cost per action, uh, as a matter of fact, is one level deeper uh, in the engagement than cost per click. Because cost per action includes, you know, completing a sale, uh, completing a, a submission of form, which is, you know, uh, one action beyond the click. Now, if you look at just the average cost per click by industry, and I have some uh, quick examples that I could share with you. This is, these are the numbers and stats um, in June 2020 when we were uh, really at the height of the pandemic. Consumer services, if you are in the consumer service industry and you want to purchase cost per click, every, on average, you need to spend $6.40 for, for that one click. And, and including, if, you look at, if you're looking at the industries that have, you know, bigger giants or bigger businesses, including like finance and insurance industry, um, you are talking about having to pay on average $3.44 for one click if you pick a keyword and if you operate in that segment, finance and industry segment. Legal industry, $6.75 on average. Technology industries, $3.80 per click. Is that really reasonable, right? But oftentimes when people, again, uh, are in the panic mode, you would try to find a way to uh, try to maintain the exposure of your business in the marketplace. Um, and when, like I said, when an in-person connection is not possible, you tend to pay more money um, in the ad space, which in our idea is not the most effective way to operate your business. Yeah, and it's important to understand where those numbers come from. So when we say, you know, cost per click, why, why is it higher in some areas versus others? The more crowded the space, when you're putting advertising uh, budget into one of these platforms like Google or Facebook, you're effectively bidding almost like at an auction for user attention, user exposure. So the more crowded your market space, the more people bidding, they're going to drive that bid price up. So that's why you see, you know, Consumer services, that's, that's a very, very populated field, especially now that everyone's migrating to this online world. 640 is, you know, you, you can see that increase the longer this goes on because more and more companies are going on there. And so that's why it's really important to look at these different things to, to figure out where you can get the most efficient spend because 640 for a single customer to go in there is, is a lot. And then if you have, you know, you look at the conversion rate that we were talking about earlier. Consumer services are a bit more like a commodity. So maybe if you say a 5% conversion rate, if you get 20 people in there, you're getting one person to make a purchase. And to get those 20 people, you've spent, what would that be, $120 you know, plus. So it's a very inefficient way to, to drive that purchase. You're absolutely right, Joey. And I think that's where a lot of people miss, right? So you don't yeah. understand that this is a dynamic process. The more competition in the marketplace fighting for that ass space, you end up having to pay more with less conversions and less clicks. 
and yeah. and when when generally when we consult with our clients we lay out the big picture we let them understand how you know you, you really need to maintain a focus uh, and clear mindset of pursuing results and sustaining operational efficiency you know paying more money doesn't guarantee you with results because Google and Facebook they don't they don't guarantee the results they get their money and they run away and I often joke about this I said that you know it's like you're paying taxes to Google and Facebook uh, on yeah. top of the sales and income taxes that you're already paying the government uh, which is uh, ridiculous um, so going back to the client that we currently serve they are in um, the legal finance and in insurance industries. They are a rather smaller player in that niche market. So they obviously cannot afford to be participating in that bidding war. Our advice is to let them focus on LinkedIn. We want them to build their network and pay more attention on how they could potentially establish themselves in that particular niche market without getting into the unnecessarily unnecessary bidding war. They first have to have a network. They first have to get acknowledged and recognized. There are alternatives and ways for them to do that without having to spend that much money. Yeah, there's a lot of efforts that you can make uh, just organically before you start to you know, expend some of that advertising budget. Another thing to, to consider is you know, people are so inundated with different brands on a daily basis. There has to be a, a very conscious effort to get in front of people first to make sure that there's some level of familiarity with your, with your organization. And these are all things you can do before you start to, to expend an advertising budget. And it seems that we're offering a very easy way to pivot and shift. I by no means um, um, want to make sure, want to, um, you know, kind of characterize what our experience with that particular client as an easy pivot. You right. know, even if your focus on is on LinkedIn, there are a lot of a lot of things that you you should do and you need to do, uh, and and Joey and I we could share a little bit more. Um, their ex, uh, you know our with our experiences working with that client, uh, you know, including for example, how do we make sure that the content that they share on LinkedIn uh, is legit? How do we make sure that they are affiliated their business with the right companies and influencer uh, on that platform? Um, you know, including, for example, establishing a pipeline. How do we make sure that the contents are not just posts, but includes, for example, multimedia contents like whiteboard animations, uh, infographics, uh, you know, how to effectively use their webinars, recorded webinars and videos. Uh, is it possible that for us to, you know, go after uh, their customers and come up with uh, user stories to share? Yeah. You want to look at, we, we take a look at that. And then other things like just thinking about how most people consume their media, for example, making sure that it's going to, you know, if, you've, if you're sharing a graphic, is it designed the way that's going to display well on mobile? You know, most people are watching video without headphones in, or they're just scrolling through looking at pictures, making sure you can communicate the full message effectively, or taking a look at platform specific things. For example, um, you know, in, in the case of LinkedIn, making sure that you use the, the optimal amount of hashtags, which for that platform is usually looked at as one to two, uh, and then making sure that those hashtags are effective with the audience that you're trying to reach. One, one thing you see people, you know, with analyzing data, you can get swept away by saying, you know, okay, you know, a certain hashtag has this many hundreds of thousands of followers on, on my given platform. 
but how many of those are actually the followers that you're trying to reach? It, it could be more efficient in your, in your time and effort to find a hashtag that's more popular with the niche audience that you're trying to connect with and then making sure you rank highly in that particular term. With respect to the digital marketing effort, uh, I don't know about you, Joey. I, I see a lot of what I call the me syndrome. When you put together a post, when you put together a video, you're always thinking about me, 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 and me. Right. You generally forget about, you know, how other people perceive your ad or your post or your campaign. And I, I, I argue that this is the, the, the biggest no-no that uh, people generally make um, as, as a mistake. Because at the end of the day, whatever you create that out there in the marketplace, you want to create action, right? You want to... Yeah convert your campaign into action, which increases your awareness, the awareness of your brand, and then at the end, hopefully generate, it, generate enough business leads. Yeah, um, just take a step back and ask yourself, you know, all right, if I'm, if I'm reading this, why would I care? You know, if it's, look how great we are, look at, look at all the great stuff our company is doing. If I'm the consumer, um, what, what does that do for me in my life? It should be, what can we do for you? Keeping everything more customer-centric. So you have to step back and, and put yourself in their shoes. A quick example would be to put a 30-minute webcast uh, on your, you know, and embed that in your post without providing an abstract or summary of what the webcast mm -hmm. talks about. Uh, a lot of people make that mistake. Um, and so it has to be a coherent message that you're sending. Perhaps you should have a blog post that goes with it. Perhaps you should have some ad budget set aside to promote that particular post after you spend um, um, time and effort putting it together, making sure that, you know, it reaches to the target audience that you want to reach. So there are a lot of things that you need to do. So at the end of the day, again, it's the coherent strategy that you want to have that enhances your business operational efficiency uh, and effectiveness in business operation. Uh, people generally, uh, you know, I think they, we compartmentalize too much. We segment our effort into too many different things. Um, you know, oh, you've got to do something for digital marketing. You've got to do something for accounting and finance. No, at the end of the day, you're doing one thing, which is to enhance the effectiveness in your business operation. Right, right, absolutely. Right, so in, in you know, Kind of in closing, I, I wanted to mention, you know, the, the three most important takeaways from what we uh, previously talked about. Sales revenue is obviously very, very important. But when times are challenging, operational efficiency might be more critical. You want to make sure that you spend the money in the right uh, dimension. You want to make sure that, you know, you, you don't waste resources. Uh, and the second thing is that effective resource allocation actually requires all business leaders to make decisions to concentrate on just certain things without trying to accomplish all things. Yeah. And then one of the final big takeaways, you know, we, we tell this to clients all the time, you can't just cut your way into growth. Cutting might improve some operational efficiency, but it's not going to help you move your business forward. Once you make those cuts, once you have some of those extra cash reserves, then you have to, you know, it's twofold. The second half is identifying which activities do give you good data, good return, and then how do you invest in those areas fully to propel your business once you've, once you've created that new efficiency. 
lot of people also misunderstand in that uh, they think that, especially in challenging times, they coop up, right? They don't want to spend, they don't want to invest. And you have to understand that your entrepreneurial spirit requires you to take on risk. That is why you are the business owner. That is why you are leading the charge. So it is critical that you identify initiatives that, that, that are worth investing so that you could generate hopes to increase revenue. It's all relative. The competitive landscape uh, is now changed because of COVID, but you need to identify, um, the imp- you need to realize the importance of coming up with innovative ways um, to create that potential for you to grow and sustain into the future. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that you enjoyed uh, what we talked about with respect to enhancing, enhancing the effectiveness of your business operation. And, uh, you know, in the future episodes, we're going to share a lot more examples uh, and business engagements that we had experienced dealing. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, we would be able to provide more insight that helps your businesses grow. Stay tuned. Thank you.